Hello. It is wonderful to see God proclaiming his gospel so clearly through his church here in this lovely river valley. And we are delighted to be here with you this morning to worship our loving and holy God and Father together with you. It's been wonderful, and uh, thank you for welcoming us here. We are Danny and Ariel Rorabaugh, members of Sandy Springs OPC in East Tennessee. Thank you, Pastor Booth, for your preaching, and thank you to you and the rest of the session for inviting us to share with you about our work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And thank you, cousins Peter and Martha Bacon, for hosting us during this visit. Martha and I are first cousins twice removed. And if you're wondering what that means, you should chat with Danny afterwards because he loves genealogy and I'm sure he'd be happy to talk about that with you. Anyway, it is great to reconnect with the two of you and we are so excited to be here and to meet all of you. Thank you for joining us this morning to hear about what God is doing through Bible translation. In 1536, William Tyndale was convicted of heresy and executed by public strangulation and burning. His crime? He had dared to translate God's holy word into the common language of English. Tyndale spent the final years of his life evading authorities throughout Europe and translating the scriptures in hiding. He was eventually betrayed by a confidant and imprisoned, and when he refused to recant from his so-called heresy, he was executed in the town square. His final words were spoken in prayer. Lord, open the king of England's eyes. If you were an English-speaking believer in the centuries before Tyndale and before the publication of that English-language Bible translation, the only opportunity you would have had to learn about your Lord and Savior would have been through an intermediary priest. You would have had no Bible in your home, and the only Bible in your village, being in Latin, would have been completely useless to you. How would you have grown in your faith? How would you have known that what you had been told about God was true? Today, so many people are still without access to scripture. Currently, more than one and a half billion people, nearly a fifth of the world's population, do not have the complete Bible in a language that they understand. In the words of Romans 10, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Nitya is an Indonesian Bible translator with Wycliffe. She was part of a team that went to Papua. That's the Indonesian half of the island of New Guinea. When they came to a village to begin their translation work, an elderly lady in the village came up to Nitya and asked, Why have you come? Everyone is asking. We've come to learn your language, Nitya replied. We heard that, but why would you want to learn our language? There are much more important languages you can learn, like English or French. Why have you come here? Really? Really, we've come to learn your language so we can translate God's word. The lady drew back, eyes wide. She was silent for a moment. God's word? She asked softly. You will give us God's word in our language? This lady told Nitya that there had been a church in their village for many years, but they read the Bible in a language the people didn't really understand. She said, on Sunday we go to church, 
but the rest of the week, we don't know how to live. We appease the old spirits. Come, learn our language, and give us God's word so we will know how to live. This is exactly the vision of Wycliffe Bible Translators. We want people from every tongue to have the Bible in a language that they clearly understand, and we want to see them come to know God through his word. Wycliffe's origins date back to the summer of 1917. William Cameron Townsend had just completed his junior year of college, and he wanted to take a break from his studies to sell Spanish Bibles in Guatemala. However, the United States had just entered the First World War, and Townsend, along with many of his classmates, enlisted with the National Guard. He thought he was on his way to fight in France, but before he was to leave for France, he had occasion to visit a retired lady missionary. She caught him up short, saying, here you are going off to war and leaving the mission field to us women. Townsend was stunned, but he saw no way that he could back out of military service once he had enlisted. He went to his recruiting officer. The recruiting officer took a long look at the frail, skinny Cameron Townsend. He said, sure, go ahead, Townsend. You'll probably do more good selling Bibles in Guatemala than shooting in France. So Townsend went to Guatemala to sell Spanish Bibles. And he quickly realized that the majority of Guatemalans, such as the Cachacal people, were descendants of the Mayans, and they didn't actually speak or read Spanish. Several of the Cachacal expressed to him their concern that the scriptures were available in Spanish, but not in their language. These conversations and the urging of God's spirit prompted Townsend and his wife to settle among the Cachacal to learn their language and translate the New Testament so they could have it in their own language. Ten years later, that New Testament was finished, and from this first translation, Wycliffe Bible Translators was formed. Did you know that our church standards have something to say about Bible translation? Now, I know you all have a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith near at hand, because they're in the Psalter Trinity hymnal. So can I get one volunteer who's willing to read out a paragraph for us? volunteer. Yeah, all right. Jason, we're looking at chapter 1, paragraph 8. That's on page uh, 920. Chapter 1, paragraph 8. The Old Testament in Hebrew, which was the native language of the people of God of the New Testament in Greek, which at the time of the writing of it was most generally known Immediately inspired by God, by a singular care and providence, kept pure in all ages, <coughs> are therefore authentic. So as in all controversies of religion, the church is finally to appeal unto them. But because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God, who have right unto and interest in the scriptures, and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them, therefore, they are to be translated into the vulgar languages of every nation unto which they come, that the word of God, dwelling plentifully in all, uh, they may worship him in an acceptable manner, and through patience and comfort in the scriptures, they have Thank you. Well, the meaning of the word vulgar has shifted over time, but... <laughs> When it was written, the confession meant by that common or ordinary languages. And the confession points out that all God's people have a right to scripture, are in fact commanded to read the scriptures. 
And therefore, the scriptures ought to be translated into the common languages of every nation. Almost every verb in the Hadi language of Cameroon had forms ending in I, A, and U. But when it came to the word for love, translator Lee Bramlett could only find Devi and Deva. Why no Devu? Bramlett asked the Hadi translation committee, could you Devi your wife? Yes, they said. That would mean that the wife had been loved, but that the love was gone. Could you devour your wife? Yes, they said. That kind of love depended on the wife's actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and cared for her husband well. Could you devour your wife? Everyone laughed. Of course not. If you said that, you would have to keep loving your wife. No matter what she did, even if she never got you water, never made you meals, even if she committed adultery. No, we would never say dvu. It just doesn't exist. Thinking about John 3.16, Bramlett asked, Could God dvu people? There was complete silence, and then tears trickled down the faces of these elderly men. One simple vowel changed the meaning from I love you based on what you do and who you are to I love you based on who I am. God had encoded the story of his unconditional love into their language, and for centuries the word was there, unused but available, grammatically correct and quite understandable. As scriptures are made available to people in a language they understand, God transforms lives through his word, drawing people from all nations together into one family. One day, Wycliffe pilot Dan Gleason was flying several Manobo Christian leaders to a Bible conference in one of their villages on Mindanao Island in the Philippines. The airstrip was wet, and Dan touched down a little too far up the runway. He applied the brakes, but the plane skidded on without slowing. And when they came to the end of the airstrip, in order to stop from crashing into a ditch, Dan performed a ground loop an emergency quick-stop maneuver. As the plane whipped around, there was a sharp jolt and a grinding crunch. When the plane came to a stop, he checked the passengers. They were okay. Dan got out to check the plane, and his heart sank. The tail gear was ripped loose, and the tail section was crumpled. Fixing it would be costly. The plane would be out of service for a long time, which would cause serious hardship for the translation teams in the area, that relied heavily on air transportation. Dan walked down the airstrip to collect his thoughts. He later said he wanted to just crawl into a hole and have someone fill it in. When Dan came back to the plane, a dozen of the Minobos were squatting in a circle with their hands over their eyes. Dan listened and realized they were praying for him. Later, Dan was leafing through his Bible as he waited in the village for help to come, And Militun, a Manobo believer, came up and nudged Dan and pointed to a verse in his Manobo Bible. So Dan looked it up. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Dan thought, wow. Thank you, Lord. Militun nudged him again and pointed at another verse in his Manobo Bible. So Dan looked up 1 Peter 5.7. Casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. 
another Manobo believer came to Dan and said, Don't be discouraged. You are serving the Lord, and he will provide the people and the money to fix the plane. Then he quoted Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Later, Dan recorded his feelings. He said, I came to the Philippines thinking I would help the Filipinos, but I found that they are always helping me. They fed me, gave me a place to sleep, and helped me along those slippery trails, carrying my loads physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And they took time to remind me of the truths of God's word that I thought I was supposed to be giving to them. There are, today, 724 languages that have the full Bible translated. So we're going to look at how this compares to the number of languages that still need translation work. And in order to do this, we're going to use a tape measure. So on the tape measure, each one of these tick marks, one sixteenth of an inch, we're going to use to represent one language. So here, in the first foot of the tape measure, that's representing just under 200 languages. So for this demonstration, we could use two or three volunteers to come up and just help hold the tape. You won't have to speak at all. Two or three volunteers. Yeah, come on up. Let's get to see if we can get two more. At least one more. Come. Yeah. Wonderful. And, yeah, let's, oh, you already stood up. Oh, good. You, you, wonderful. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's start over here with Ariel holding the tape measure. And our first volunteer, who's first? What's your name? Jack. Jack. All right, Jack. So I want you to take this tape measure. And watch the tape while you pull it out and go until it tells you to stop. There we go. Right there. So the distance from Ariel to Jack. This is about 3 foot 9 inches. This is representing those 724 languages that have the entire Bible. So Jack, stay right there and let's pass off this tape measure. Who's next? What's your name? Caleb. Caleb. Caleb, if you will... Continue walking. Jack will stay right here for perspective. Caleb, keep walking until it tells you to stop. All right. So now the distance from Ariel to Caleb. This is around 8 foot 3 inches. This distance is representing languages that have the New Testament but don't yet have the entire Bible. And that's around 1,500 languages. So we'll pass this off now to David. All right, David, so Caleb, stay right here for perspective. Go ahead and walk until it tells you to stop, and you might have to walk a little faster. And watch out for the table. (laughs) All right. So now we're looking at a distance representing languages that don't have the New Testament even yet. The distance from Caleb to Ariel is around 26 feet representing over 5,000 languages in the world that don't, have the whole new, that don't have the New Testament yet. All right, thank you, volunteers. You can go back here. Thank you so much. So how do we fit into this? Here are Danny and Ariel. Both grew up loving God and his word, both concerned for those who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, both interested in contributing to Bible translation. 
And here are Danny and Ariel. Both grew up interested in mathematics, completed math PhDs, ultimately met at a math conference. Then in recent years, God provided research positions for us in computer science, a sister field to mathematics. When we began to seriously investigate how we might get involved in Bible translation work, we discovered that through that transition to computer science, the Lord had equipped us to contribute to Bible translation through software development. Software supports all stages of the translation process. For example, designing fonts for languages that haven't previously had a written form, creating dictionaries, verifying accuracy of in-progress translations, or making audio Bibles available via apps on solar-powered devices for people without electricity. In 2020, God provided a temporary volunteer opportunity for me to develop this software. Several months in, my supervisor encouraged us to consider long-term, full-time work in language software. Still, the idea of giving up regular employment and relying on financial partners for support was daunting. A few months later, our pastor preached on Exodus 35 and 36, where the Israelites are stirred to give to the Lord out of thankfulness for what he has done for them. In that sermon, our pastor reminded us of the incredible grace we've been given in Christ. He encouraged us that meditating on Christ's salvation will stir us up to joyfully serve God's kingdom. Driving home from that service, we discovered that we were each thinking the exact same thing. We need to join Bible translation work full-time. God has granted us the opportunity, skill, and desire, and if this is what he has planned for us to do, then he will provide. So we have joined Wycliffe Bible Translators. From Tennessee, we will be remotely serving translation teams around the world, and we're both delighted at the prospect of long-term work in translation and linguistic software to further the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. The Engen people live in Papua New Guinea, where Tok Pisin is the regional trade language. And there is a Bible translation in Tok Pisin, but most Engens are not fluent in it. Wycliffe is actively working to release a translation of the Bible into Enga. The Engen people are also an oral culture, so most of them don't read or write. They only speak their language, but they're very good listeners. So the translation team creates audio recordings of the books of the Bible as they're translated and then releases that audio on solar-powered MP3 players. People can listen to God's word in Enga for hours at a time, and then when the battery dies, they simply place that player in the sun to charge. Engans have said, when we read the Bible in Tok Pisin, we never read a whole chapter at a time, but we can listen to an entire book of the Enga Bible in one sitting without getting tired. And once people start listening to the Bible, they often want to try to read along with a printed copy as they listen. And in doing so, many actually teach themselves how to read their own language. In places without electricity and without running water, it seems safe to assume that people don't have much access to technology, right? We were surprised to learn that Android phones are spreading even in places with little infrastructure. People who don't have electricity in their own home travel to a local shop with a generator or to the nearest town to charge their phones. And so Wycliffe is releasing audio recordings of the Enga Bible as a free Android phone app that will highlight the text sentence by sentence as the audio recording plays. The Engans will quite readily sit down and try to read along with that Android phone app. 
We're going to hand out an activity now that illustrates a, a different important role that software plays in Bible translation. So on the top of this sheet that you're about to receive, there are seven languages. Arabic, Cherokee, Chinese, English, Greek, Ukrainian, Vietnamese. And then below that, there are seven translations of Romans 10.17. So whether working individually or in groups, the goal is to match the language with the translation. And we also have pencils we can pass out if anyone needs a, a writing implement. We do have, I'm going to dig more of those out of the, the binder in case we need them. So if anyone needs a, a pencil, just raise your hand and we'll bring a, a pencil by. Any brave volunteer to shout out the answer to number one? Just say it. English. Good. What about the second one? Yeah. What's the third one? Good. What's the fourth? Arabic. Yes. And number five? Greek. Greek. Good. Number six? That's Cherokee. Nice. Number seven is Vietnamese. So these, these seven languages are examples of well-known, well-documented languages into which the Bible has already been translated. But in order to translate the Bible into an undocumented language, we first need to document the language. And one key ingredient of language documentation is the writing system. So these seven translations of Romans 10.17 give us a small taste of the many writing systems used around the world. With English, we're used to writing left to right. But some languages, like Arabic, number four, are written right to left. We are used to writing with letters generally representing sounds, but some languages, like Chinese, number two, has a different symbol for each word. We are used to writing a letter without a bunch of extra markings around it. Some languages, like Vietnamese, number seven, have a whole bunch of diacritic markings to designate tone. So when documenting a language, Linguists work together with native speakers to develop a writing system that makes sense to the people. And then computer software is what lets us type words and print Bibles. Your computer at home has a keyboard with all of the letters and numbers and punctuation that you need in order to type in English. But people who speak Kurdish, Oriya, or Avidi need to type very different characters. Translators use specialized software to design fonts and keyboards with all of the symbols used in each language, and not just the letters, but every jot and tittle. Another major element of language documentation is building a dictionary. During my temporary volunteer position in language software development, I've worked on a new piece of software being designed for dictionary creation, which can accelerate language documentation by translators. It automatically handles some of the sorting and processing of collected words. It will also facilitate more interactive dictionaries with audio of pronunciation by native speakers. To collect words for a dictionary, this software helps the translators and the native speakers work together. Speakers of the language are guided by the software to go topic by topic 
and list every word they can think of in each topic. This allows speakers to come up with words and phrases that somebody from another language or another culture might not know to ask about. So, for example, if the topic were move something, what are words you can think of in English that relate to moving something? Transport. Transport. Push, pull. Push, pull. Shove. Lift. Heft, heave, great. Yeah. Drop. Any more? Or maybe carry. Our friend Susie is a linguist learning the language and culture of a people group in West Africa in order to translate the Bible into their language. And part of her study involves reading picture books, so stories told using only pictures, and then explaining the story in this new language that she's learning. Here's a picture from one of these books. There's a woman carrying fruit on her head home to her children. Here's a picture from another book of a farmer carrying a fishing pole over his shoulder. But the language that Susie is working with uses two completely different words for carry to describe these two pictures. In that language, carry on your shoulder is different from carry on your head, is different from carry in your hand, is different from carry on your back. Each one of these would be a completely different verb. The word carry shows up well over 600 times in the Bible, and Susie notes that for each one of these, they will have to consider how the carrying was happening in order to be able to translate it. So... What exactly will we be doing as part of Wycliffe's software development group? Our job will be to design, maintain, and update the software that translators need. If you write an email, listen to an audiobook, edit a Word document, or send a text, you're using software. And somebody created that software, and somebody's needed to maintain it to make sure it continues to function correctly. So software developers create and maintain software by writing computer code in programming languages such as JavaScript, Python, or C-sharp. Many of the tasks of Bible translators can be aided by software that is specifically designed to help them. For example, we've seen software can be used to design fonts for a new writing system, to streamline and enhance dictionary creation. It can also be used to organize and check new translations of biblical text or to distribute audio Bibles on smartphones and on solar-powered devices. But in order for software like this to exist and to work reliably, it needs to be created and maintained by software developers. And many of Wycliffe's software projects are currently in great need of developers. So that will be our job with Wycliffe, communicating with translators to understand what they need and then making sure software like this is available, reliable, and well-maintained. In 3 John... The apostle writes Gaius to commend him for how he treated the missionaries who came through his region. John calls those who serve in such a manner fellow workers for the truth, teammates, partners. In other words, when these men traveled around to preach the gospel, it was as if Gaius was right there with them. Fellow workers share in the same goals, the same mission, though they fill different roles. As we partner with translators, serving people groups who don't yet have the Bible in their own language, We are seeking fellow workers to join with us in our Wycliffe ministry. 
We would love to have you partner with us in what God is doing around the world through Bible translation. We invite you to partner with us in prayer. We will happily add you to our mailing list to keep you updated on the ways that God is working in Bible translation and on our specific prayer needs. And we would also love to hear from you about what's going on in your lives and how we can be praying for you. If you would like to be on our mailing list, we have a sign-up sheet here that we'll pass around. Um, We do a newsletter about once a month, and then we also do really short weekly prayer updates so you can indicate whether or not you're interested in that. Or we have um, little sign-up cards on the table in the back. Some of you may have already filled those out. So either way uh, will work. And we invite you to partner with us financially in our Wycliffe ministry. Wycliffe is a non-profit Christian organization, and our ministry with Wycliffe relies on regular financial partners. We're not allowed to begin our full-time assignment until we reach 100% of the ministry budget that Wycliffe sets. Every recurring gift, which can be as little as $5 a month, moves us toward our full-time work in Bible translation. So in the back, we have some pamphlets that uh, detail various ways to partner. And uh, gifts for this work should be preferenced for the Wycliffe ministry of Danny and Ariel Rorabaugh. So for giving by mail, the, the back page of the pamphlet can just be torn off and filled out, sent along with a gift. Or giving can be online through the Wycliffe webpage. Our URL is here on the front page of the pamphlet, wycliffe.org slash partner slash And our email addresses are here. We'd just love to hear from you as well. So uh, the sign-up sheet, some example um, newsletters, and the pamphlets are all in the back between the, the missionary things and the New Horizons magazines. If you decide to partner financially, it would be great if you could let us know because sometimes there's a delay in processing, and it's helpful for us to be able to record pledges or gifts that are still being processed. We're working hard to get to 100% so that we can provide the needed software development support as soon as possible. And with recurring giving, we're currently at 75% of our full ministry budget. Would you prayerfully consider whether the Lord is calling you to be involved in this work? And would you please pray for us? that we would have wisdom and energy, and that the Lord would provide. Thank you so much for sticking around. It's been wonderful to be here this morning. And uh, I think now we could field any questions, if anyone has any. Yeah. How, uh, so, for you to hearing that, we could That's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't have any sense of, of a number for that. It's but a, a large part of the work in those people groups, where you have oral cultures and people don't know how to read, is not only getting those audio bibles with the written text, but then also literacy efforts. So I think there's a lot of um, literacy gain that comes from the translation work and the associated efforts to make sure that people can read what you're giving them. Yeah. <laughs> what fraction of the population is in the land that they're unintentionally? What fraction of the population? So the um, the seven hundred some languages that have the full Bible corresponds to four fifths of the population, and the uh, five thousand languages that don't have the Bible 
it corresponds to about 5%. Um, Well, are you talking about they don't have the full Bible? They don't have the New Testament. Testament. I think that corresponds to around 5% of the population, yeah. And a fifth of the population still doesn't have a complete Bible, but some of those populations have a New Testament or some uh, books of the Bible, and many of them don't actually have any verses of Scripture at all. So there's a wide range there, and it's exciting when, when we hear announcements of a, of a book or a New Testament that have been translated and are being released. Um, even now, it, a new completed translation of part of the Bible is for anywhere from hundreds to millions of people, uh, depending on, on where, where this is happening. Uh, I think there was a question over here earlier. That... Where are you at? There are a lot in um, places like Papua New Guinea and Indonesia because you have a lot of mountainous areas, and so you end up with very segmented people groups. And so those are the two locations that have the most languages just in the world, and then also a lot of languages that um, there's active work to translating the scriptures, but you have a lot of people groups there that don't have the Bible yet. So mostly Southeast, that's the largest number in Southeast Asia, many in Central Africa, and then... A few, quite a few, though not as many, in the Pacific Islands and in the Americas and, and Europe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, most likely the uh, the first effort would be to to wrap up getting um, the dictionary creation software. Um, to finish to a stable um, and usable place. It's already been used in a couple workshops, but it's, it needs a little more work to be more broadly uh, usable. And then, the, generally speaking, the placement will be wherever the, the greatest need is in the software group. There are a handful of projects that don't currently have full-time people on them, maybe just have a handful of volunteers. So there are a few different projects where they really need new people and when we hit 100%, they will tell us which ones most need us, and that's where we'll end up working. Why is that so important? I guess I'm just trying to get, because I know you So a lot of the, the groundwork when you're first getting a draft put together is a lot faster if you have a dictionary already on hand, and so you don't have to stumble over every single word. You're able to get a lot of the work laid down, and you can... Uh, yeah, so it really helps in getting a draft more quickly. Um, yeah. So, as people give the Bible in their own language, do yeah. they have people to teach and preach? That's uh, a, a big part of, of the effort to establish having a translation is also to, to plant churches. And um, very often, um, it will be... Um, Sometimes there are established churches in an area that have recently gotten the Bible in their own language, and there's other language groups near them that don't have the Bible. So one of the ways that some of Wycliffe's projects start is one of those churches contacting them and saying, we want to help this people group hear God's word. And Wycliffe will come and work on translating the Bible, and then you have this kind of missionary work possible between local churches and this people group that's getting the Bible for the first time. But definitely the goal of people 
getting the Bible in their language is for people to come to Christ and for churches to be established. Yeah. Most of the 5,000 languages are completely untranslated. Most of those languages do not have a written I'd say about a half of those have some translation work underway. And those ones do have a, a writing system. But most of those that, that do not, yeah, that do not have any scripture at all, are still um, probably undocumented. undocumented and don't have a writing system yet, are, are predominantly an oral people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to see the software working with my brother-in-law and my sister, who just became a group of translators. Um, they are assigned to Peru, but sitting on the couch, um, you explained to me that so he has about five different missionary-like people translating things in their languages in the region of Peru. He speaks Spanish, but he doesn't speak any of those native dialects. And uh, but he can go into the software and put in what the translator, the local translator, told him. And then he has to sit with that translator and say, "Why did you use this word?" And then he looks at the software and says, "Maybe it's a little bit different, or just like the word for a lot of that you mentioned earlier." But that's a very Software is great for collecting and organizing the, the data that they're working with and for collaborating with teammates both locally and in other places. Yeah? Is there a, um, a common translation that the Wycliffe Bible translators um, translate out of? So, like, do they use the NIV, the ESV? I think the translations used depend on the, the translators who are working. And so one, one major source is the major, is the translations in the major language of that region. But there is a key element is having people that are trained in Hebrew and Greek as consultants to, to be comparing to the uh, original, original text. text. But uh, one of the major components for translating is whichever the, the major language translation is in the area so that the people that are helping with the translation have the Bible in something that they're fluent in. Any other questions? Yeah. Going once. <laughs> Run, people. <laughs>